Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast, where Mary Malone and her guests have authentic conversations about leadership, navigating transitions, and finding purpose both at work and at home. We hope this conversation will give you the inspiration, power, and courage to reach for greatness while making a difference for someone else. Now, here's your host, Mary Malone McCarthy. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Mary Malone McCarthy, and I'm thrilled to be your host. Today's episode, you'll have the incredible opportunity to meet a true servant leader, Mark Hamilton, who's CEO of Harcross Chemicals. Mark opens up about his journey to becoming CEO, his personal experience with the imposter syndrome, asking that infamous question, are we really ready for this role? We'll also discuss his unwavering devotion to lead by serving others and a daily commitment to show up as his most authentic, and I would add, humble self. Our conversation is packed, full of lessons on leading with purpose over profit, the unwavering belief that capitalism is critical, but just as importantly, is to make a difference in your organization and the communities that you're a part of. But before we get started, let me share a brief bio on Mark Hamilton. Mark is currently serving as the president and CEO of Harcross Chemicals, a chemical manufacturing and distribution company based in Kansas City, Kansas. Harcross, a 100% employee-owned company, has 27 facilities in 19 states in the U.S. and operates six manufacturing plants at three sites in India. He is a believer in servant leadership. With over 30 years experience in operations leadership, he has learned that success is only sustainable by nurturing and empowering the people that work alongside you. As the foundation to his leadership style, Mark strives to always take responsibility for his actions and wants his fellow employees to feel safe and to do the same. So get ready for a fantastic conversation and let's welcome Mark to the show. Good morning and welcome, Mark. It's so nice to have you here today. Good morning. It's great to oh, see you. Gosh, well, I've been looking forward to, I know, I know. <laughs> I've been looking forward to today's conversation for weeks and I'm so grateful to have met you and spent, you know, a couple conversations even before this morning getting to know each other. And I, in some ways, I kind of feel like we're kindred souls. So it was so easy to talk and shared philosophies. And, and even I loved at the, our last conversation that we both come from fathers in the telco industry. So I think that's, that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> So interestingly, I was introduced to you through the Conscious Cap Network and where you and Dr. Rosie Ward were talking about her book, Rehumanizing the Workplace. And I just, I thought it was fascinating. And we were lucky to read the chapter about Harcross and the experience that you had going through the process with them. I think the whole chapter on purpose over a profit is really about your organization. And I, I have to say, I just... I must have read that two or three different times and resonated with all of the stories and immediately knew that I wanted to connect with you. So I'm, I'm so glad that we've had the opportunity. But one of the things I thought was interesting when you and I were chatting is that you said, I'm, I'm new to this conscious cap community. I kind of like it. It's intriguing. But in many ways, I think you've been living a conscious cap life personally and professionally. And it's sort of like you're finding your tribe, you're finding your home, and we're looking forward to having you much more a part of that. Yeah, I think I couldn't agree more. I think finding your tribe is very appropriate. It's uh, 
something I, I really believe in, and, and Dr. Ward really was, give her credit for introducing the organization, the concept, the tribe, so to speak, to me in our work that we were doing with, with Rosie. I mean, c- capitalism is very important, I think, and it's something I strongly believe in. I think we need capitalism. It's what really spurs innovation, spurs invention, moves us forward as, as a society in a way that I think works very well if it's done properly, right? So, and I think you and I had a sort of one of our pre-conversations, we got into a little conversation about the enemy of capitalism is the temptation to fall into greed. Mm-hmm. Because there is such an ability through capitalism to amass wealth. And some of the ways that you can amass wealth can be very cruel at times. You're not living a conscious life if you're getting amassing wealth at the expense of others, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I couldn't agree more. That, that's what really attracted me to the whole concept of saying, all right, yes, like we said, this tribe believes in the same things, you know, that we want to take what's best with capitalism, build on that. But we are better off as a society, social being socially responsible to make sure that our, our communities, our, our own employees, our local communities, as well as the global community are benefiting from our efforts. Absolutely. Absolutely. It ties into sustainability, right? I mean, it's not sustainable to do it otherwise. No, you're, you're spot on. And I think that John Mackey said, of course, capitalism gets this bad rap where capitalism is so important to build thriving communities and to impact people, but to make sure that greed doesn't take over, right? I think mm-hmm. that the stronger that organizations are, the more they're thriving, the more they're, they're responsible for investing in their people, their key stakeholders, that then, as you and I were saying, go home to their families, a different person, and to their communities different. And so we need to keep stoking the fire of capitalism, because I think the ripple effect of that when we develop conscious leaders, and I know today we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, how do we help up and coming leaders lead consciously and and lead with their values first? Because if you lose that and greed takes over, it does become very toxic. But I'm thrilled to see the shift that we're seeing in so many organizations. I mean, it's becoming a common conversation and an expectation, right, for people to step up and to be leading yeah. differently versus, you know, have it all be about the revenues and, you know, profit over anything. And I think talent today, we're seeing at M3 is really raising the bar of what they're looking for in an organization, which is terrific. We need to go there. Yeah, I, I do think that we see that with some of the younger people in the, in the workforce and those entering the workforce. It's very important to people where they work and in the type of organization they work for, right? So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Which is great to see. It sure is. It sure is. So before we get started, because we can jump right into this whole conversation, I'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about your career and your story, how you became the CEO of Harcross. I thought it was just a fascinating story that a lot of people will, will really relate to and appreciate hearing. You know, I've been around a long time, so we don't have enough time to go over in detail. (laughs) (laughs) Although I I did (laughs) If we did a true chronological resume, it would probably be about five pages. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so seriously, I mean, I've come from humble roots, really. Um, A working class family, basically, in New Jersey is where, where I grew up. And both my parents did not go to college, and nobody in our family had ever gone to college. Now, I'm the youngest of three brothers, 
And my oldest brother was the first one to have gotten a bachelor's degree from a, a university, uh, which was a big achievement for us, you know, mm. to, and that was a dream my parents had. Mm. Um, even though they had not had that opportunity, they saw that that was the best chance for their children to be successful. Not saying that you have to have a college degree to be successful, but they really gave us that opportunity. And I find it amazing, quite frankly, that my mom being a stay-at-home mom and my dad being a union worker in the telephone industry found a way to make that happen. Incredible. Um, yeah. And then I went on and actually got a degree in fine arts, of all things, you know, which isn't exactly the normal career path or education career path for a CEO of a chemical company. So, you know, I'll fast forward, how did I get there was that, you know, in a lot of arts type jobs, whether you're a writer or wanting to be a painter, like in my case, or a, an actor or, you know, something in the arts, it's often, you know, you're going to find other ways to have income because right. <laughs> it's rare to really be fully sustainable in those environments. But even as, a, as, as an artist, I was always building things on a canvas or in preparation for, so I was very methodical and how I would put things together. So I had that, that mindset of uh, what led to a career early. I got found a job in logistics in mm -hmm. supply chain mm -hmm. and worked my way up fast forward through the ranks, became a manager of supply chain, and then eventually a, a vice president of supply chain in the chemical industry, global responsibility, traveling around the world, trying to put together better supply operations experience. Now, Today, you can actually go to college and get a degree in supply chain. Back when right. I went, that wasn't an option. And over the years, that, that aspect of business, business has become so emphasized as being important, that whole logistical Absolutely. supply chain. So anyway, it's been very good to me that that career gave me the opportunity then to move on and eventually land at Harcross and go from being you know, in an operation vice president position to chief operating officer to CEO. And I guess the last thing I'll say about that, though, is when I look back on that, my liberal arts, fine arts background has never hurt me in that journey. Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of unfortunate today that people get pigeonholed into a certain education background. So my advice to people, even if you are going for that supply chain degree or business or MBA, put enough liberal arts courses in there. Learn how to think. Learn how to write. Yes. Uh, to think out of the box, right? So... What happens is that a lot of times people get those, those more narrow paths, they get into a company and companies are spending money to send people to training or educa uh, further education to learn how to think out of the box. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so true. And I think there is so much merit to that well-rounded education. And we see it all the time. I mean, the people that can deliver, whether they're having a conversation or making a presentation, the writing skills, the analytical skills, the ability to have a healthy debate about something. Those are all skills that you learn in a well-rounded education. Then you can go into that niche market, but I could not agree more and love to see that in talent that we're working with all the time. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's their other aspect too, that I find that those people that know how to connect the dots and see the larger picture are to me, the most successful that I've seen, you yeah. know, and, and a well-rounded education, I think inspires that and brings cool. that out. Yeah, 
Yep. No, I, I would agree. And, and I think that today there's so much that's moving so fast and changing so quickly for this next generation coming in. As I always say, you know, the other part that I, I will add a, a, my, my two cents on is that I, I always say, you know, slow down and really discover your authentic self because there's no better time in, in your life to do that. And, you know, having three teenagers, I can just see how they just get going faster and faster in the internships and not being able to have the traditional summer jobs because you've got to start building your resume. And I think that these kids need to have that time to just slow down and kind of just be because it's only going to get faster as they launch into their careers. And then, you know, it's so true. And and then we have to be mindful that it's not easy for everybody to have that, right? So if, if you come from a place of privilege where you have that opportunity, it's an advantage that you have to recognize. Yes, take advantage of it, but also understand that other people may come from a background where that's not possible. Right. Uh, how do right. we make that available to everybody, right? So. Oh, incredibly true. Incredibly true. It is, yeah. And I think that today being aware of, of the gifts that you have and the opportunities, but again, it sort of goes back to this conscious capitalism. You know, how do we broaden that and incorporate more opportunity for more people today? And I mm-hmm. think it comes back to the social responsibility that we, we're starting to talk about a little bit. And so... Harcross, you joined, you became CEO, and then you joined into this program as the organization was going through an extensive program on really discovering the why and the how of the organization. And what was interesting to me is, you know, they kind of, without knowing it, created a great onboarding program for their new CEO. But you really jumped in and said, I want to be a part of as many of these discussions as I can to meet employees all over the country. So I'd love, tell us a little bit more about that and the impact that it had. Yeah, well, you know, I joined the company in 2016 and I came in as a vice president heading the manufacturing piece of the business. The actual initiative of working with Dr. Ward and getting into the finding our why, basically, uh, purpose statement for the company and, and improving our culture began in earnest in 2017. So I was there from the start of that initiative. Okay. But while we were involved in this journey and, and the work with Dr. Ward, I was appointed as COO of the company in June of 2018. And I really consciously wanted to make sure that I remained a part of that that process, because the work that we were doing was involving everybody in the company. Mm. So I was already involved in the program and I didn't want to leave it. And I wanted to sit at the same tables that we had set up in the different geographies because we covered every employee in the company when we did our work on our culture. It's remarkable. Which talk about logistics planning was quite (laughs) (laughs) from an event planning and travel and things like that. So I saw it as an opportunity. All right, I'm new in this corporate role. They knew me on the manufacturing side, but we have 27 facilities in 19 states, right? So a lot of the people didn't know who I was, and they probably were fearing, feeling a little bit nervous about who is this guy? My predecessor had been the CEO for a very long time, was belo- is beloved and known by everybody, trusted by everybody. He led the effort for the company to become a fully 100% employee-owned company in 2014, just backpedaling a little bit, that was the main reason they started this culture initiative because they realized that people were struggling with coming up with or, or, or establishing a, a mindset of thinking and acting like an owner. Yeah. Uh, now that they were owners of the company, uh, that's how it works in, a, in an employee-owned company. And so, Mark, if I can just interject, one of the yeah. unique things that I think our audience would appreciate hearing is that 
when Harcross became employee owned, your approach was very different in that it was equal ownership for every single person in that organization, no matter what your role was. And I think that's where, you know, all of a sudden it was from understanding and reading was that people, one, I'm not sure truly understood what that meant and the responsibility that they had to show up as a leader in this organization every single day. Would that be accurate? Yes, it is. Um, And that's full credit to Kevin Merner. He and a, a smaller group, a minority group, bought the company back in 2000, I hope I got my dates right, 2001, I think, or, or so, from an outside entity and established it as a private company with this private ownership, um, working with financing and things like that. But he had the most ownership in the company. Mm-hmm. So he then led the effort because he, he could see that he wanted to really talk about conscious capitalism reward the people that allowed him to have this opportunity to get to the place he was in life. So when he made the arrangements to convert to an ESOP, the Employee Stock Ownership Plan, working with you know advisors that are expert in that conversion, those experts were used to companies that would establish a hierarchy. So depending on what level you were in the company, you would get more shares of the company during that conversion. Right. And he said, no, that's not the way I want it. I want everybody to have equal ownership so that we can really stressed that we're all owners of this company and we all have a stake in this, that we're all stakeholders. So that's, that's true. Kevin Merner's mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for adding some context to that, because I think it's something to me that stood out as an organization and that just shows, again, the conscious leadership and the work and why going into this work around your why and your how and creating that focus and opportunity for your employees was so important. So would love to hear more about your experience as you were onboarding and what you were seeing in the organization. Onboarding, you were, you were part of the organization, but onboarding into the CEO role. Well, you know, the reason we started the culture initiative was because we did feel people were struggling with this new concept. It was much the surprise of Kevin, you know, because his in his vision, he thought everybody would jump on and be on board and rah, let's go. But people, you know, for so many years having the traditional company and now all of a sudden I'm a I'm an owner. Right. It wasn't immediate. And apparently this is quite true. There are a lot of people that help companies, you know embrace the culture of being a, a, an employee-owned company. So seeing that happen and being a part of it, yes, was, was very helpful for me as I went into this role because I do think it was a good decision on my part to make, remain part of the, the work rather than to be just sitting in the back of the room occasionally and seeing what's going on mm-hmm. because that also enforced that we're all owners of this company and we're working on this together. Absolutely. I to meet everybody. You know, all these people that didn't know who I was, I was able to then use that framework of those, those uh, meetings that we were having to go to the different meetings and, and meet people. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And the work around discovering your why and your how, and I'm taking this from Rosie's book, is, you know, bringing your best self to work and home each and every day. And so I think you were just almost having this moment in history throughout the organization of, you know, having everybody step up and to experience this differently. And there were so many things that experiences that people had in the organization that, you know, we were reading about to all of them, have them share it and to really share their personal experiences. But what I loved is then you took it a step further of just not the why, but how do you show up like that 
each and every day, which I think is is fantastic. You mentioned a couple things about, you know, now the bar's raised, right? People have different expectations and what people are more comfortable sharing and how they're transitioning in the organization a little bit under this new philosophy. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's it's interesting to see. I, I do see a lot more personal leadership going on in, in ownership. Yeah. And that's that's really positive. But, you know, knowing that we're all human and we don't always show up as our best self every day, myself included, you have days where, you know, things are just wearing on you, maybe in your personal life or you just maybe not feeling well that day, didn't get enough sleep, whatever the the thing is, we're all human, right? So what I really love to see now is that people recognize that and give not only themselves a break, but other people a break more often. We're not perfect, not every time. But there's a certain vocabulary we have now that that Rosie helped us develop of recognizing that, you know, are you below the line today? Are you wallowing in some, you know, negativity? Or are you above the line today? This to like woke up and said, today's a great day, seize the day. There are some departments that actually have signs in their area (laughs) with little magnets, you know, like those magnet boards that they can put where they are with the line that day. So they can give warning to somebody, hey, I'm, I'm just going to be a little beware. <laughs> give me a little space today, you know, give me a break. So, but uh, that's fantastic because it's nice to have a little humor with that as well. And so this experience that you had as far as is getting to know everybody and going through the why and the how and all that and your months into this new role and then COVID hit and talk about things turned upside down and the real test of leadership. In many ways, when you're telling the story, I thought, thank goodness you had that time to travel and to be present and to listen and to hear and to build those trusting relationships, because that's what we keep hearing so much about right now is, is those lines of communication. But I'd love to, to have you know our listeners hear a little bit more about that, because what was it two, three months into your role? Yeah, I mean, so it really hit home, I think for most of us in mid-March, right? Yeah was when really things started to become clear, hey, this is really serious. Yes. Travel started getting curtailed and a lot of work being done at the, at the local level to spreading down from governors and things to, to really look at ceasing gatherings and things like that. And, and what lockdowns started happening in places like in the Northeast where it hit hard quickly before people had a chance to react. So what, what a thing to have happen. You know, I, I joke about it a little bit. It's like, boy, I, it's like the, the old movie Airplane. I picked the wrong day. You know, they said that. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I picked the wrong day to become CEO. But, you know, actually, in retrospect, it was probably good timing for my own personal opportunity because of the training and work that we did with our organization. Because we had, I do think, a certain element of trust and, and a good, solid basis for communication that we could somehow operate now as an essential business with a little bit less than half of our workforce having to still show up every day as an essential business uh, because the chemical industry, a lot of the things that we needed and still need to fight this virus, the sanitizers, the, um, the cleaning products, the institutional cleaning products, things like that, or just the fabric for our supply chain as a nation had to keep going. Right. Um, we sell into the agriculture industry, which creates food. We have food-grade facilities to distribute products that go into the food industry. To keep all that moving became so critical. But as CEO, how am I going to keep everybody connected? 
because yeah. some people had the ability to work from home and it, it was safer for everybody to have the minimal amount of people in so that you could keep the numbers down so people could be socially distant. And then monitoring those regulations that varied by state in those 19 states and having the right people concentrating on that and giving them a purpose to keep us all informed. And then I felt, you know, Lord, as the senior leader of the company, my responsibility is to make sure that that connection is happening, that people are staying informed. And I really, really credit the work that I did personally with, with Rosie, because we had just finished for the senior leadership of the company, a program for the senior leaders to how to become a more authentic and effective leader, understanding what our own internal barriers were to that, that we had established and to work on that. In fact, we had a meeting in late February to wrap that program up and for all of us to share, you know, some of the things that we learned. Wow. And I'm pretty convinced that we might have had a little COVID spread at that meeting because the, the 15 people, eight of us ended up getting sick right after that. But that was before a stat task testing was established and things like that. Anyway, I don't want to digress, but so happy that I finished that work because I had identified some of the things that I was not realizing I had to the barriers of being more authentic and understanding and feeling more comfortable in my role and comfortable in my own skin to be authentic mm. work that I personally did with Rosie. So really it felt like I was in a better place to, all right, you know, we don't have time to bring in a video crew here. I could use my iPad and film the video and work with our IT group to broadcast this video out to everybody to, to tell people what's happening, right. to make them assured and care for. So that training was, was critical. Well, and it's interesting because I think that's what people probably, and I actually think Rosie mentioned this to me. I think that's what people loved was like the real you showing up, right? It's, this is what I got. I'm going to put it together, make it happen and mm -hmm. communicate and, and say, I'm here and I hear and I care. And I, I think it's remarkable that you had just finished this training about mm -hmm. your authentic self and breaking down barriers and understanding shadows. And then the spotlight went on, right? Like you went live with it. I don't think there would have been any greater test if you could have created it yourself than going through a pandemic such as this. And what people are looking for is that authentic self, is that line of communication and not, it's okay if we don't know the answers because who would know the answers to something like this? But it's, it's just saying that I'm here and, and we're going to work through this the best that we can. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just me too. I don't want to take all the credit for that because we had people throughout the organization that were more comfortable to help in that regard for the communication. I'll give you one quick example. One of our salespeople that was working from home because he really wasn't allowed to visit customers. He, he didn't want to go into the branch where he was located because less people, the safer it is, right? So he was working from his home and he, to be apart from and, and give space to his wife, he established a uh, office in his laundry room. <laughs> and, and I think it was Rosie that, that encouraged it, but he filmed a video. He was one of our ambassadors. And, I, okay. and I, we have this ambassador program with the help communication within the company. He filmed a, a quick video of himself broadcasting from his laundry room is what he called it, called it and telling about what his experience is through the pandemic and how he's trying to get work done and, and his interactions with, with his region and things like that. It was awesome. Oh, I bet. I bet. And just, and, you know, at a time when people need to have a little laugh. And, and he probably gave a couple people some ideas. <laughs> yeah, he, he's standing there in front of his washer and dryer, you know. 
<laughs> That's great. That is great. And the true question is, was he assigned laundry duties while he was working? Yeah, I, think, I, I think I remember him saying that he's become very adept at doing laundry. So. Oh, that that is fantastic. That is fantastic. And so in your time as, you know, you were COO and then CEO and then COVID struck and you shared a couple things with me, just some highlights as far as what you've learned as the CEO and that our actions inspire others. You know, we have such a responsibility to really think about how we show up, how we communicate, how we're basically present with a group of people. But your experience just moved me so much. I would love our audience to hear, you know, what you've learned so far becoming the CEO of Harcross Chemicals. I think one of the things that I remember talking with you about this is, is that how quickly I had to become mindful that what I say people listen to almost every word. So I have to be kind of careful because again, I'm human too. And I have sometimes the the habit of falling into sarcasm as a humor relief, you know, and things like that. But I have to be careful now. I have a responsibility. I'm the CEO of the company. I don't want to make some offhanded comment thinking it's funny, but people are going to take it the wrong way. Right. You know what I mean? And, and really be, accept that responsibility. I don't want to be fake at all, but I want to be mindful, I guess is the word for that. And then some of the other things is that actions do inspire others, right? So walk the talk is very important because people are watching. And I guess the the other thing to realize too is that, you know, I think I shared with you and I, and I shared at the first webcast that you became familiar with me is that I was suffering from a little bit of an imposter syndrome at first, right? Because Maybe it was because of my humble roots and things like that, that am I really ready to be CEO here, you know, and things like that. But again, recognizing that it's not all about me and that really we have a lot of talented people in our organization and to let them have a voice and let them show up as owners is really my job is to really be a servant leader in that regard, to let that talent evolve, develop, and really help the company. Yeah. And and giving people that opportunity to shine. I think when those doors sort of open and you're, you're really tapping them to say, you know, this is our time, not my time to be a part of this, this next chapter for Harcross is, is really moving. And the imposter syndrome, you know, I I think everybody has a little bit of that if they really want to be transparent and vulnerable, however, whatever word you want to use. And I think that we do have that, I don't know if it's the gorilla that, you know, that's on your shoulders or what that voice that you hear in your head of, can you really do this? Are you really ready? Mm-hmm. And pushing through that. And there's a lot of people that are probably experiencing that, that are listening today that needed that little boost of energy to say, you know, you, you got to just shift that conversation in your head and start to really believe in yourself, but to believe in you're going to get what you need from building the relationships with the team and the talent around you as well. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So that is fantastic. You know, the other that I thought was really interesting is your philosophy and and you experienced it first time was taking risks and believing in people, seeing a person, it doesn't matter what their role is in an organization, but to, to let them know, I was just coaching someone the other day. I said, you know, I, 
you've got this. I believe in you. And I think for people to hear that and to take a risk and give someone a project or an opportunity that they may not have had otherwise is a real game changer in a person's life. And and you experienced that firsthand, you know, and I'd love to have our, our audience hear a little bit more about that to not only be appreciative of maybe experiences they've had, but there's probably somebody in their circle that they could tap and yeah. take a risk on. Well, if you think back on it, you know, when I became a part of Harcross, my predecessor, Kevin Murner, took a risk just in hiring me. And just as background, I used to be the principal contact for Harcross with their largest customer, one of their largest customers. And for 21 years, I served in that role at one of the key customers for Harcross. I parted ways with that company and Kevin didn't know the situation or anything like that, didn't care. But when he knew when I became available, he knew me well enough after 21 years that he said, well, if you're interested in joining our organization, you're welcome to. He didn't know that, you know, possibly that would cause a maybe an awkwardness with with the largest customer now that I'm coming to work for them and that sort of thing. But he believed in me, which, you know, helped me believe in myself. So and I try to do that now with other people to pass that on, because you know, and it, it may be just small things, you know, somebody comes to me and they have an idea or they, they have a, a thing they're struggling with and they're looking to me for an answer. And one of my favorite things to do is just remind them, it's like, well, what do you think we should do? Mm. Let them try to work it out, you know? And yeah, I can serve as a compass maybe, you know, to, to let them bounce their ideas. And sometimes though, I don't have to say anything. Right. I start talking about what it is they feel would be the best way to solve that. And maybe with just a little nudge here or there, they continue to talk about it and they work it out in front of me and then thank me. And I said, well, I just listened. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And how, but, yeah, exactly. Exactly. For to have that opportunity to have somebody listen and talk it through and to have that confidence pushed back to them is really a game changer. So I, I agree. And I think even with people going through so much transition right now in their lives. And there are some people that are in, you know, circumstances that they could have never imagined that were completely out of their control. And to really tap a mentor or a past coworker or a leader that they can have that sounding board conversation with and start to bolster that belief in themselves and looking for that next opportunity and transition for them. Yeah, so true. Yeah, yeah. So we we talked a lot about you moving from COO into CEO and the organization finding its why at Harcross. And I don't think we mentioned this, but I did want to just just to say because I thought the statement of the why around Harcross is really working together, we create a positive impact and enrich the lives of others. And that really goes so far, not only in the customers that you serve but the employees and the communities that you're part of. And that is truly servant leadership, Mark, and just stood out to me at so many levels. Tell me how you've continued to lead with that why behind it and how you apply that and what you do every day. First and foremost, I I feel a responsibility to, to make sure that the fellow employee owners have the, the right opportunities, the, the ability to have a voice to try and improve the company. We have an impact system that we use to help establish so that people could bring their ideas to the senior leadership team. 
And there's just an email address internally that begins with impact. And mm. they send it, and it goes immediately to the senior leadership. And then I make sure that one of the senior leaders takes responsibility for a reply to that suggestion. Or it might just be somebody wanting to recognize somebody. And then we can then look at it and say, yeah, this is worthy of an impact award. Mm. You know? So that's, that's one way that we try to enrich the lives of others, right? So that they can feel a part of that process and making a positive impact, right? And, and I don't want people to take it wrong too. Sometimes when you say enrich, it's not like making, personally making money per se, but enriching a life means so many other things, right? Absolutely. Allowing people to have that right work-life balance, particularly during a pandemic, that's something that I'm trying to really make sure that we're doing. Mm. Recognizing the sacrifices that our frontline workers are making to support them. And then the community too, right? I mean, that's so important because we are part of that essential business serving the community, but we also have responsibilities for those less fortunate. Like right now, during this pandemic, there's been a real need for food. Some people have lost jobs, you know, they can't make their rent, you know, they have families to feed. So we've made a concentrated effort through our giving program to really focus on food banks, shelters, and things like that during this time. So I see how our why statement really intertwines very easily into that that fabric of where we are today and where we would be even after a pandemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, it's just, and rich means so much at so many levels and you're right. And rich to me is more about the whole person and the communities that you're a part of and to have the opportunity to really put that to action and impact other people is, is so mission critical today. And I, I say it all the time. I mean, the more we can all be stepping up to support one another, not only during this pandemic, but I hope we're learning and building a lot of muscle around this, that when we're on the other side, that some of these behaviors really stick. And you know, that why statement was developed by the employees themselves. Yes. With the mission of when Harcross is at its best, what are we about? And then they shared all those stories, like you mentioned in the book, about different times across the years that they've helped communities, customers, things like that in times of need. And that's why, you know, people at first were a little bit struggling with, I thought this was something where we could air some grievances and try to improve what's wrong with the company. And and we really had to kind of steer people to know the purpose of this exercise is to focus when we're at our, what are we like when we're at our best? And then, you know, with, there's time to, to improve those things where we need help. But right now, let's focus about who are we when we're at our best. What, what an incredible experience, you know. And, and one of the things that, you know, when I was watching this presentation, I, I was jumping up and down in my, my Zoom seat, virtual seat here going, your employment brand, your organization just is shining for so many great individuals in every role that is looking for a home in an organization to be a part of that they can align with with values such as yours. So, you know, just I'm, I'm such a champion for what you're doing and hoping that that message is loud and clear as talent is considering Harcross across the country because previously, and you and I chatted a little about this, when we work with organizations and we're talking about what's your culture, you know, what's the experience, what are your values? Some get it right away and some are like, well, how does this apply to as we're recruiting and retaining the best talent. 
I tell the story often, when we hear people quietly and confidentially looking, it's because they don't feel that in their own organization. And when yeah. they're looking at that next move, we start that conversation out with that, but that's what they're looking for in an organization. So when you've got all the good work that's taking place, and I know everybody's working on things too, those are such pillars to be communicating to people out there and for, for people to hear about when they're, we're looking at different opportunities because um, it's becoming kind of the beacon for what leaders and, and I say leaders, but everybody is looking for when they're making a decision to make a move or to join an organization, looking at a couple different organizations. That's the hope, right? I mean, we do feel we have a good, good place to work and a, a good place to grow and trying to get better every day. But yeah, we want to try to attract talented people to even bring us further. Along. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And show up as your whole self, as we've said all yes. along. Yes. So, you know, as we're winding down, one of the things that I love to hear from leaders such as yourself is advice or tips for up and coming leaders, existing leaders that may just need some energy and are trying to shift a little bit or to become a little more vulnerable and to to quiet that imposter syndrome in their head. What advice, Mark, could you share for our audience today? Yeah, I thought a lot about this since you, you posed that in some of our work prepping for this. I think I say it in the in the statement that I when I talk about who I am as a leader, but I do think this is something that's I've learned over the years is that to take responsibility for yourself and what you do, the good and the bad. Own up to it, you know, own what you do, be humble, I think is also very important and authentic, as we talked about. The other thing that I, I've learned, and maybe my wife says I need to work on this some more, is listen more than I talk. <laughs> we all can. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the other things that I, I try to tell new managers or new leaders is that don't feel that you always have to be the smartest person in the room. Great advice. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, but don't be feel threatened by that. Welcome that, and and if it turns out you are the smartest person in the room, you know, sort of tongue in cheek, I say find another room or invite more more people into the room so that there are more smart people in the room, because oh. you know that's the thing that's going to make you successful and the company successful, because you you're not going to have all the answers. You can help find the right answers, right? And and yes, as the manager or leader you are, are tasked with the responsibility of making sure that everybody gets heard and right. supported. Right. And maybe, like I said, I, I often feel like I'm trying to serve as a compass. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And it is so true, you know, invite more people to the party because there's nothing better than to be learning and listening from those around you and to have different thoughts and viewpoints, you know? And mm -hmm. I think when you're open to that, it's explosive. The opportunities are, are endless in an organization. You know, one, one comment that, that I heard in a conversation not that long ago that I thought was really interesting was a person saying, I don't have that opportunity in my organization. You know, I don't have that type of leadership. But I think, you know, and, and you actually said this at the beginning of our conversation, we're all leaders in our own way. And so we don't have to depend on somebody else to help us get there. It's really our personal responsibility, no matter what we do in life, whether we're a community volunteer or active in our church or the CEO of a company in college, a high school student, you know, I think we can all be showing up as a leader personally and challenging ourselves, but also in our communities right now. 
Absolutely. And, and it, you, I think you hit on it. And what I was trying to say, too, about that 100% responsibility that you take for yourself, it starts with you. You can't lead other people if you're not effectively leading yourself. Correct. Yeah. And, and having I, that outward mindset, I think, is so important to, to steal something from Rosie. She talks about that all the time. That's one of her pillars is to really show up as your best self and take responsibility for yourself, but then also have that outward mindset to share and better try to better everything around you, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Oh my gosh, I could talk for hours, but I, I love to close our conversations with, you know, just a memorable experience as a leader that that has impacted you. And is there anything that comes to mind that you think our audience would really enjoy hearing or you love to share? Uh, maybe so. It's a little bit self-serving in a way, but I think it's an important lesson that I learned that maybe others can learn from is that when my, my time ended at the previous company that I had spent 21 years with, it happened at a point where I'm late in my career and I had a really a decision to make about what I'm going to do next. You know, So one of the most gratifying things that, that I felt as I left that job was that the, somebody who was a direct report for me, who I stay in contact with this day, I felt like I had done a good job of preparing him to step into my role should I leave. And he did. And his comments back to me or his appreciation validated in my mind that servant leadership concept. But it also, I think, gave me courage to look for a new door to open Mm. and not look back at the one that closed in my life. So that's what I try to tell people. I stay in contact with a lot of folks, dear friends from that, that company. Some have also, you know, ended their relationship there and are looking for their next journey. And it's, it's just really nice to hear that people think that, you know, what I've done inspires them to find a new opportunity. So again, that's a little self-serving, but I guess my point is that, that, you know, having that leadership mindset of being a servant leader pays dividends, not only for others, but for yourself. Oh, yeah, so well put. And and I don't I don't think that's self-serving by any means because I think it it really went back to this individual and the impact you made on his life and probably so many other lives around him at that time, you know, and, and I, I use the word ripple often. And matter of fact, when our M3, our first logo was a ripple of M's because I thought, you know, every action, every experience we have can can have a ripple effect. And and we want that to be a, a positive experience. So for you to say, you know, I'm going to serve and lead to make sure this next person in my role is at his or her best is so powerful and, and so fulfilling for you as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Well, this has been remarkable and I feel so lucky to have gotten to know you over these last couple of weeks and to have today's conversation and look forward to many conversations to come in the conscious community as you get more involved and uh, having more people hear your story. And I wish you the absolute best at Harcross. They're lucky to have you and to have such an authentic, caring, committed leader in that organization. Well, thank you, Mary Malone. And, and I wish you the very best as well. And I do look forward to having future conversations because uh, as I learn more about conscious capitalism, it is something that uh, is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And after this pandemic, we'll meet live. Yes. Sounds great. Summit. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. 
For more information on our vision, please visit m3placement.com.